Welcome to another edition of the Landlord and Tenant Podmess, the only podcast that has the balls to ask the question, can a landlord and tenant be buddies? Hi, everybody. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Landlord James. And I'm your other host. I am Tenant Michael. And we're here for another episode. Uh, the two original hosts of this show. Yeah, original and only, only hosts. So, knock on wood, Yes. Do you foresee a time when well, this is hosted by someone else? I did recently update uh, my will, and I did uh, leave instructions for uh, what I want, you know, who's, who will take my mic if in, oh, in this sad event that I die. And uh, I, I, I put down my brother and my father. So if you die, I have to do this with your dad? Or brother, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, who would you want to replace you if you, you know, and I would hate for this to happen, but if you, if you passed away and died? Oh, God. Um, who would I want to fill my shoes? Well, you know, I think Ben Mulroney is a good friend of mine. I wouldn't mind seeing him. Right. You know. He's very natural on the mic and on camera, and he's very And verbose. he, you know, yeah. you only see him on uh, TV, on entertainment shows, and he seems really squeaky clean. That guy can get nasty. Really? If you, oh. If you put him in a podcast format with where the you know CRTC isn't breathing oh. down his neck, that guy, oh boy, the number of battles Ben Mulroney has had with the CRTC—it's like Lenny Bruce uh, back in his day up against the the feds or or Howard Stern, Howard Stern. in private parts. You know they're trying to take him down because he'd be talking to naked women and stuff. Do you think yes or no? Ben Mulroney is our generation's Canadian version of Howard Stern. Yes, I do. Interesting. I do. I think really? so, too. You know what's interesting, also? I heard recently an interview with uh, uh, Diamond Dave, David Lee Roth. Okay. He was interviewed by Mark Maron, the uh, comedian and actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, when Howard Stern, for health reasons, took some, uh, some time off of his show, okay. David Lee Roth stepped in and replaced him. Really? Yeah. Can you imagine? How did, how did he say it went? He said that he clashed immediately with management and then he was fired not too long after that. But uh, wow. can you imagine waking up or like getting in your car in the morning expecting to hear Howard and then you hear David? David. Yeah. David, uh, his look has really changed, huh? He looks better than ever. <laughs> I don't know. In the 80s, because he had that beautiful, long, long hair. Mm. And was he balding with long hair? He probably was. <laughs> but now, if you look at David Lee Roth currently... He's yeah. kind of got short cropped hair. Short cropped and hair. And I feel like he's always wearing sort of like Bono, Actung Baby sunglasses and yeah. kind of like shiny shirts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like he's gone club uh, club style. Yeah. Like when you two did pop. Reminds me of, uh, you know, DJ Tiesto. Yeah. Um, uh, Marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if David Lee Roth is, has done DJing. Or thought about doing DJing at the very least. He, I think EDM needs him. You know what else is interesting that I heard uh, about David Lee Roth is that after Van Halen and after his solo career kind of uh, fizzled out, he moved to New York and trained as an EMT like ambulance guy, and he did that job for several years. And so imagine being like you, you live in the Bronx and maybe you're so, you have a heart attack and someone <laughs> calls nine one one. Then you hear like, 
next thing you know, an ambulance is there, and you're suddenly you're looking at David Lee Roth asking you what, what's wrong. Wow. Wouldn't that be a great way, to, the last thing you see, yeah, David Lee Roth? You, yeah. I'm just a gigolo. <laughs> Why did, um? what was up with that? Was it his solo stuff where he did just covers of stuff? It was no, like horny no, videos? Don't put him in the, a box. He did uh, original solo material and also his cover of Just a Gigolo. But didn't he do other covers, or maybe um, was Hot for Teacher him, or was oh, that, that was Van Halen. Oh, okay. And that wasn't that wasn't like a standard in the way that Justin Gigolo was. Oh, um, I see. But I do, I can, I think he's probably done an album of standards in the way that Rod Stewart and yeah. uh, um, Tom Jones or whoever. I definitely remember it was really horny videos. You know, the like, guy wasn't the, shy about you know letting oh, his California out. girls right. I wish they all could be California girls, and that was a sexy video. Very sexy. Him, him especially. That was the first. I remember it like it was yesterday. Seeing that video was the first time I ejaculated. Really, David Lee Roth's California Girls. Not when he was on screen, might I add. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so be sure to tune in Mondays and Thursdays to WTF with Mark Merritt. Yeah. Because you never know who he's going to interview. It, that was kind of good because now people don't have to listen to the Mark Maron, uh, ep, uh David Lee Roth episode. That's he's funny. got enough downloads. He doesn't need any more. Yeah, send some of those downloads our way, Mark. How did that guy get so popular? From his podcast, basically. But, like, why? I don't, I don't know. But you know what? Just now that we're all talking about Mark Maron, he was also... He did an episode because he's shooting the Joker movie, yeah. and that was partly shooting, I think, uh, in Toronto. And one of his recent episodes, he began from a hotel room in Hamilton. Wow! And he he was he was not uh, happy to be in Hamilton, and he really? was very insulting to the city of Hamilton. And he said it was a dump, basically. Wow, that's this is, harsh. This is Mark Maron talking. You, Mark Maron. Yeah, yeah. He looked he. He honestly looks like he fits in in Hamilton, I would be honest, when he has that big mustache. Hey, man, let's rock. Yeah. Yeah. He'd probably do what well. What did he say about Hamilton? He said it was like, it's sad, sad place. Everyone is carrying heavy sadness around. And <sighs> what a dick. Yeah. I like Hamilton. Well, you like Hamilton. Mark Maron doesn't. <sighs> Damn. I was in North Bay recently. That was a crappy. So North Bay, how far is it from? You sounded Italian when you said that. Oh, sorry. That was a crap. No offense to North Bay listeners. The, the scenery was beautiful, but the town, whoa. So how far is North Bay from Toronto? I've never three uh, and a half hour drive north. Yep. And uh, yeah. It's, what's what's wrong with it? Mm, well, it's on this beautiful, beautiful lake, and you'd think like, oh, you know, this cute town by a lake, but it's like. It's not quite on the lake. It's just sort of removed from Near? it a bit. Okay. And there's just a real bummer strip, Main Street. And it's sort of like, you know, uh, I feel like it's like travel, a couple travel agencies and stuff. Right. Like, like not that, but it's that kind of vibe. And um, there's like a bowling alley. I saw you posted an Instagram story where you were bowling. I was bowling. And did you go to a karaoke night? In th- I in did at North the Voy in North Bay. How was that? How was the karaoke night in oh, man. North Bay? Yeah, I don't know. It was okay. Now, were you there when there were all those flies? I yes. Saw pictures. What are those? Fish flies? Shad fl- flies, they're shad. called. But not Shad, who used to host Q. Just no, to be clear. no. He has nothing to do with them. Okay. In North Bay, uh, for like two weeks a year, these flies are born in a lake, in the lake, Lake Nipissing, and they come out of the lake and 
just terror like well they just sort of descend upon north bay for two weeks and they don't have mouths what? and they there's these big flies and um they just kind of land on the streets and on the walls and on the street lights and they're covered it's covered like you right. hear as cars drive by you hear popping and crackling of it driving over the shad flies my god and then they're just they just die right away pointless they're pointless yeah my god imagine being a shad fly michael Sad- imagine you got imagine you die and you're like oh oh my god reincarnation's real you realize and you're getting Come going back. through a tunnel and then you're just a stupid shad fly. fly and i just die by crashing into your car yeah you're just bo- yeah you're born in lake nipissing <laughs> and you crawl out and walk into north bay and you get hit by awful. a stupid car now i heard that jerry o'connell the famous actor who uh initially rose to fame as the star of my secret identity is shooting a tv show in that's north right bay. in sliders did and, you s- uh, oh he was in stand sliders. by me i think did you see the guy around North Bay? I did not see Jerry in North Bay, but I have heard that. I've heard that he's like the king of North Bay. What's the show called? Cardinal? He's on a show called Carter. Carter. That is like, I, got, I think on right. WGN. Okay. Which is like a Chicago... I don't really know. But he's... <laughs> Chicago TV station. Yeah, it's weird, though, because I think Jerry... Uh, Jerry. Jerry O'Connell is married to Rebecca Romaine. And, you oh. know... And I guess, yeah, he just spends his summers in North Bay. Well, I was there for a right. week, and I was yeah. like, "Woo!" Imagine being Jerry O'Connell, but maybe imagine he likes it. If, imagine if you died, and instead of coming back as a shadfly, you came back as Jerry O'Connell. Oh, that'd be amazing. What would you do? Well, I feel like it's got to be wild if you're someone like him. Have you? Because like a while, a couple, like a month ago, a woman at a bar I felt like was flirting with me. And okay, I thought, and I thought, "Whoa." That's wild, you know, like to have someone flirt with you. That must happen to Jerry O'Connell. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if you're Jerry O'Connell and you just experience that every day, all the time, probably. Mm -hmm. No wonder, like, a lot of these celebrities are freaks. Yeah, it must be hard for Jerry O'Connell to get anything done without uh, beautiful women just throwing themselves at him. Seriously. 24-7. Are you telling me? Like, 100%. Ah, Well, well, if you're listening, Jerry, uh, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Well, I suppose it's time for us to um, cancel the podcast and end it all forever. Just joking. It's time for us to do one of our segments that are very popular, and it's sort of, we're sort of known for our funny segments. We are. Um, if you go, if you're in Toronto and you're in a coffee shop and you bring up the podcast, people will probably say the segments or the game. Yeah. Which, has been cha- which we've changed lately, and it, I think it's very good. We've fine-tuned the end of the show. Yeah, if yes. you usually tune out and don't stay to the end, stay to the S- end. something effing wrong with you, yeah. Um, so this uh, the segment this week is about the moon landing. It's about the moon landing, because it is... Basically, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Um, Neil, Buzz, and Michael uh, landed on the moon on July 16th, 1969... Right? 69. Where were you when that happened? <laughs> I, I was uh, not alive. I was not alive either. We I, both... And I didn't realize until we planned this that I knew Neil Armstrong. I knew Buzz Aldrin. How can you not? I didn't know about Michael Collins. He's the mysterious third uh, astronaut. Yeah. Who was aboard that sh- that beautiful ship, the Apollo 11. Yeah. So, um, so our segment is about... Uh, little-known facts yeah, little about the moon landing in honor of its 50th anniversary. Little-known and funny uh, little tidbits that you might want to hear about the moon landing. Yeah. Um, are you a space guy? Are you, are you interested? I, in- I am. I always uh, I look at Reddit 
slash r no reddit.com slash r slash space are you a space guy yes i look at reddit well i am very interested <laughs> in it and i actually know a lot about it and that's right. true okay well um why don't uh, why don't you go first with your first funny tidbit about the apollo 11 moon landing 1969 sure yeah did some research that was 11 years before john lennon was murdered <laughs> okay uh i did some research and um uh, as you mentioned, one of the astronauts in the first moon landing was Buzz Aldrin. Yes. And obviously that's not his real name, Buzz. It's a nickname. He, uh, yeah. yeah. And um, nobody really knows, a lot of people don't know where he, Buzz got the nickname from. Oh, right. Yeah. When I think about it, I actually don't know. Well, it turns out he got the nickname Buzz from his pubic hair trimming regime. Yes, that's right. In NASA, when they're all staying together and bunking together, the NASA astronauts, the other astronauts used to complain because they couldn't sleep at night because all they'd hear was a buzz, and it was Buzz Aldrin buzzing and uh, trimming his pubic hair. Cause, really? Yes, he that... just felt like it felt cleaner and more hygienic to trim. I've never heard that story. So wait, he would do this every single night? He's OCD. Oh my God, that can't be. He must have. It must have been. You know, after you know, say night ten, it must have been very red and you know, chafed. It must have been awful. Oh, so the legend says. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Well, something I never heard before. Wow. So here's my first funny moon landing fact. Um, now we all know that uh, Neil Armstrong. He's probably the most famous of the astronauts. He is, and uh, very reclusive now. Yeah. He doesn't do interviews. Well, didn't he also pass away? Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's I mean, right. Actually, I don't, I don't think he did. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, um, we don't have time to look that up. Um, but everyone knows that Neil Armstrong on the moon said those immortal words, right? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't know, because it was scrubbed from history for reasons that will become apparent soon, um, was that Neil Armstrong also said this. Uh, he said... Quote, astronaut man mashed down the place. I am the champion ruler of space. And he said that in a Jamaican patois. Huh. Now, you don't learn that in school because there's, it's, you know, cultural appropriation. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you remember when people got mad when Rob Ford spoke in a Jamaican well, patois? Well, maybe, that, maybe that's why where Rob got it from. I don't know. I think he did. He must have. Anyway, little, that's, uh, that's, very what, he, interesting. that's what he said on the moon. Hmm. Here's another little-known fact about the moon landing. Um, we all know the astronauts love to play golf on the moon. Oh, God. We've seen them do that. There were three Tiger Woodses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but did you know what the second most popular sport played on the moon was? I, I haven't the foggiest. It was the game Red Ass. That game where you throw a tennis ball against a wall, and then if you drop it, the person whips the tennis ball at your ass. Oh, and they throw it as hard as they can, and then your ass obviously becomes red and shift. Yeah. yeah. That was the second. Yep. So they played that, too. Wow. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Here's my second uh, funny moon landing fact. Um, now, a lot of people like to tell you that hey, the, you know, the moon landing was fake uh, or filmed by Stanley Kubrick. Well, that's not true. The moon landing was, was real and authentic. Mm -hmm. But you know what was fake about the Apollo 11 space mission? What was fake was Neil Armstrong's love for Buzz Aldrin's pulled pork space sandwiches that he was always making when they were in, uh, floating around space because Buzz considered himself a bit of a cook. Now, Neil Young always told him, like, yeah, Buzz, I love your pulled pork space sandwiches. But in reality, and we know this from his diary, he thought they were dry, tasteless, 
and a little on the small side. Wow, that's shocking. Because, yeah, the lore goes that he loved them. So that's really crazy that he didn't. Not true. Not true. Wow. Nuts. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is great. They should. Te- we, they should. Teachers should play this segment to their uh, students to teach them about uh, space travel and space exploration. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here's my final funny moon landing fact: um, the astronaut Michael Collins. Yes, he was the Michael Collins, the Irish revolutionary. Really? Yes. He was in his seventies, and he he actually wasn't executed by the British, and he what? fled to the USA and joined NASA. That seems so unlikely, but yeah, I mean, no, he's the him. one that people know the least about, you know. Well, that's why, because he was hiding from the British. <laughs> Where better to hide from the Brits than on the moon? Well, right? Yeah, no kidding. They colonized everywhere else. They probably thought that's the one place I can start a new Ireland. Right. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to to make a new Ireland on the moon. Do they call the moon the New Ireland in Ireland? Yes. Ireland wow. feels like they, the moon is theirs. Wow, that's and you know, interesting. I, I agree. Yeah, um, imagine a British space program. Imagine. Uh, 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 so here's <laughs> I'm not my, even going to try to do it. <laughs> here's my third and final f- funny moon landing fact. Because if you're just tuning in, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 space mission. Um, a lot of people don't know this. People think that it was just. Uh, Neil and Buzz and Michael who were aboard the shuttle. Not true. Uh, the astronauts actually brought all their girlfriends to the moon with them. Yeah. Huh. And they had a little party after they touched down and they had some drinks and they had some you know, hors d'oeuvres and stuff and unfortunately Buzz Aldrin got mad at Neil Young for hitting on his wife Uh-oh. that night of the party because uh, when Neil had a few too many hard lemonades, he would... Uh, well, I guess he fancied himself a ladies' man, and I, 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 there's a story that he placed a hand on Buzz Aldrin's wife's knee, and Buzz <sighs> hit the roof. Whoa, on the moon? Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, easy to hit the roof when you're on the moon with the low gravity. No, All you do yeah, is do yeah, a small yeah. jump, and then you yeah. fly up in the air. Yes. It's hard not to hit the roof. Yeah. In fact. Okay. Well, that is uh, Funny Moon Facts. Here on the Landlord and Tenant podcast. I would love if this segment went viral and if we got a message from NASA, maybe, you know, uh, got to tour. Uh, I have been to the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C., and I've seen the space shuttle. It's really cool. Well, I have Just the truth. Well, uh, why don't we take a break and come back with our guests? Sure. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We've got a very special interview, especially for if you're a music fan listening. Yes, this is a, this is going to be a must listen if you're a music lover. 
Yes. Uh, we actually have a couple of rockers here with us today. Yes. You might want to turn down the volume a bit if you're listening uh, on ear pods or air pods or headphones. Okay. Yes, uh, we have uh, two rockers here with us. Uh, we've got Nick Rose. Hello. And Dan Griffin. Nice to be here. And you guys are otherwise known as Teen Ravine. That's right. Uh, a, a duo. Yeah, a rock duo. This is really exciting. So you guys, uh, you live here in the building, correct? Yes, we live in the building. We love it. Oh, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, glad to hear. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should know who my tenants are, but I honestly don't really pay much attention to that. We sent you yeah. a couple of emails a few weeks ago because we had some issues with the with some plumbing stuff going on, but I don't think we got oh, God. Uh, you know, I'm honestly not the guy to email about that. Right. I don't know. Yeah, email Mike. I don't know. You My know who to talk to. My toilet hasn't been working normally since April. Well, it's July, dude. April was exactly. like a month ago. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. well that's well, what whatever. We were, where where yeah. were you able to get a toilet? That's what we were looking into. I mean, oh, you have one of the ones without a toilet. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, some floors it's like uh, one floor toilets, next floor no yeah. toilet. It's a very strange uh, setup here. But anyway, we're so lucky to have you here. We we from time to time have been known to talk about music mm-hmm. on this show, and so we've got uh, quite a few questions to ask you guys. Yeah, so so you're in the, a band called Teen Ravine. So what kind of music do you guys do you guys play here? I mean, we, we know it's rock, but what what. Uh, well, I wouldn't describe it as rock, really. There's no yelling involved. Yeah, there's no one yelling at you. There's not a lot of sort of, yeah, we're distorted not distorted instruments. Yeah, things are distorted. There's not a lot of guitars. In fact, one uh, one of the uh, one of the lore of the album is that there's not there's all the guitars are actually keyboards pretending to oh, be guitars, and right. that's that's a fact. So it's not even rock. It's not even rock. I've well, heard the I've heard the band. And I guess I just thought that was rock. Well, I mean, is is Steely Dan rock? I think so. Mike, do you think Steely Dan is rock? Hmm. But maybe it's not. Well, they're on the jazzier end of things, I'd say. Steely Dan. I know that. I know that song. I think the only song I know by them is uh, "Hey 19, Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I know one. Peg. What's Peg? <laughs> Peg is the Peg is the best. Peg is my favorite. Peg is so good. They span. I mean, like the Steely Dan. The whole, they kind of like are good in every era of their albums. They've only put out like what five? They haven't. They're not that prolific. It's maybe six or more. Really, yeah. that's it? Yeah, like they just they they were one of the first bands to be like, we don't like touring. We're not going to do it. We're going to put out albums, and the record label can go f themselves. Wow! And so they stopped touring. Very punk. Yeah. Very punk. <laughs> Steely Dan are very punk. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like buddies with the Sex Pistol or in the yeah. Sex Pistol the Clash. Vibe. Okay. Yeah. They are. Well, they're from yeah. New York, so they're probably hanging out at CBGBs. Oh, cool. Did I? I honestly don't know that much about Steely Dan. Did they do that one that's like back, Jack? Do it again. Yeah, that's early Steely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was sort of like their. That's like their seventy. That's seventy Steely. That's like where seventy six or something, right? And then they get into sort of their Hey Nineteen. Yeah. Chris Locke, comedian, was the one who introduced me to Hey Nineteen. He really loves that song. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Chris. Yeah. 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 That's great. I mean, anyway, so we we definitely take a lot of inspiration from them in terms of the guitar and and. Um, you guys and, have a guitar? Well. I mean, it's a it's a keyboard, but we're using it as a guitar. Like a guitar. So it's not right. a real guitar, like you know. Um, but it's uh, 
and, but it's but it, we do try to synthesize all the lead guitar solos. Yeah, in keyboard. Yeah. Now the move away from guitar is uh, is interesting because for for so long the guitar has dominated, uh, you know, rock music. Yeah. Um, so I just want to compliment you guys for thank you so for not yeah. using guitars. Yeah. Oh, of course, Mike doesn't like guitars. Give me a break, dude. That guitars where you get the balls of a song from. What what was uh what was your guys like first songs like when you guys were starting getting into music what were the what was the kind of music that you guys sort of got into introduced you to jamming hmm. I I listened to you know like all of us listened to like my parents record collection listened to like Graceland by Paul Simon Oh that's but good when I started learning the acoustic guitar when I was 14 I think the first song I learned was Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. <laughs> oh by well, famous racist Eric Clapton. <laughs> By bereaved racist Eric Clapton. He's racist? There was like a... You guys know this story, right? In like 1977 I, I, I or something? I don't know if I've heard this, yeah. He, at a concert... So he had already had a hit with I Shot the Sheriff, famously by Bob Marley and the Wailers. And at a concert... This was during like a point where he was out of his mind on drugs and drinking and stuff. But he, at a concert in Birmingham made a speech where he was like, basically like, immigrants, get out of Britain. <laughs> and literally, I think, said like, keep Britain white. And people were like, what? Wow. You're a blues guitarist. So he's like the original Brexiteer. He is, yeah. And yeah. John Cleese is like that too, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's like an old grump who's pissed yeah. off about immigrants. Yeah. But he can't play guitar for shit. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's a hell of a, a bluegrass picker, John Cleese. Hey, so Steve, Steve Martin, Martin is, yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. A lot of these old legendary comedians yeah. so you, way around a banjo. You spent hours in your room learning how to play Eric Clapton's ballad in memory of his son who fell out a window. I have a, I have a, a theory about that, about the Eric Clapton. Not to dwell on Eric Clapton for a second. But oh, please. The, the story goes that when Jimi Hendrix came to England and first started performing the eric clapton was like totally intimidated by him and was like oh oh no like this is like this guy's clearly better than everyone and and clearly we have no chance and um and so i maybe that was his way of sort of (laughs) surreptitiously trying to (laughs) prevent (laughs) Jimi hendrix from taking oh my god that's a good theory yeah yeah (laughs) we don't want anyone else in this country yes right jimmy will never they'll never hear jimmy i thought you were talking about the child (laughs) i was like what oh but you meant his racist speech i see what's yeah what's the neil hamburger joke where he's talking about eric clapton he's like why did why did eric clapton switch to using a mac because he's not a fan of windows oh boy yikes well so you mentioned also Paul Simon, and inevitably my mind goes to Garfunkel. Now they were Simon and Garfunkel were a duo. Do you guys see yourselves in the tradition of uh, of Simon and Garfunkel as you're a duo? You're both uh, good-looking guys, like they were. Uh, I think so. Well, what do you think, Dan? I do. Well, uh, we actually, we actually. I remember we we discussed before naming the band Teen Ravine. um, We discussed should we, as a classic duo. 
pay pay homage to the, the the tradition by just naming ourselves by our last names. But then we thought Rose and Griffin sounded too much just like a restaurant. It yeah. sounds like a. It right. probably is the name of a pub. Yeah, <laughs> the Rose and Griffin. The Rose yeah, and Griffin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't do. I that, think we're. That. I think maybe the comparison is fair because Dan is like the 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 Paul Simon doing kind of all the work, and I'm oh. Eric Garfunkel just sort of. You're the architecture singing, student singing prettily. <laughs> is Dan's that doing all the heavy lifting? <laughs> is that what the deal was with Simon and Garfunkel? Is that the legend? Yeah, Simon I think that's was like why the musical they... genius, and Garfunkel just had this golden voice. Yeah, and was golden getting voice, all the credit. hair, and uh... well, much like Garfunkel, I think Nick is doing himself a disservice because you know it's a, it is as a duo we do. 50-50, I think, the heavy lifting. But I do most of the work, for sure. Yeah. If you uh, go back and listen to the recording of the famous Simon and Garfunkel live in Central Park album, there's a part where you can hear Garfunkel get like snippy, because he's like, so all the songs we've played so far today uh, have been uh, Paul Simon numbers. And everyone's like, oh. applause. And he's like, well, right now we're going to do... One of mine. It's called A Heart in New York. And then Boo. the audience tepidly <laughs> applauds. Oh, wow. If you go to any used record store, you will always see 49 copies of uh, Garfunkel's solo album, like uh, Justice for Breakfast or something, where he's eating an orange. Anyway. Did he, did he, <laughs> did he do Bridge Over Troubled Water? Oh, yeah. Was what that his? Saying? Was that a him? But was that oh, a no, him? No, song? no, that's oh, Paul Simon. Simon. And Paul oh. Simon famously wanted that to be like super. Uh, like a sparse arrangement, and Garfunkel sort of put his foot down and demanded that it be this like lush, yeah. over the top well, thing. With that's why I wondered if it was a uh, wasn't Paul Simon because it sounds different than their other songs. Imagine seeing Garfunkel put his foot down. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a great recording of him in the studio with the engineer that he's working with, and he's recording his like his his first or his like follow up solo album. And uh, he's giving the engineer a hard time because he thinks the engineer has like lost sort of faith in the song, and his like insecurities are coming out. And for some reason, he recorded all of this. Like the engineer must have recorded all this and leaked it. And it's brutal. It's so hard to listen to because his the reverb is on on his voice, <laughs> and he's so like just sort of like upset and also kind of like being a little rude but in a very like sort of uh persnickety way persnickety like sort of uh and you know, defensive way it's very good but it Looking sounded like, so beautiful but his voice is <laughs> undeniable yeah. the guy's wow. good and he was briefly an actor as well like he was in the film of uh i think catch 22 oh and oh, then paul simon was... made a movie too one trick pony yeah, yeah. well he was in he... Uh, uh uh what's the one with jeff or no what's he in uh, he's in a party he plays like Jeff Goldblum, he's at the... Oh, uh, Spinal Tap. No, you're thinking no. of... Uh, no, no, wait, Billy sorry. Crystal. Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Same guy. No, but Paul Simon was married oh, to Carrie Fisher. Really? What? Yeah. What? And a lot of his songs are about Carrie Fisher. And Really? Know, and Carrie Fisher was briefly engaged to Dan Aykroyd. What? No. Yeah. Why is she anyone attracted to Dan Aykroyd? I mean, picture it. It's the 70s. You're young and beautiful in New York, and you're a woman. Suddenly you see this hunk, Dan Aykroyd, becoming <laughs> famous. You can't help yourself. God. That's he probably wild. gave it for one of his signature cocktails and <laughs> yeah, slipped the, something or, or into it. Or Caesar. Uh, Caesar. Right? He's yeah, he says loves Caesar Caesars. week. He does those ads for... Do you think he ever took Carrie Fisher back to Kingston, Ontario to show her around these terrible blues bars? <laughs> Maybe. That he grew up in? 
Kingston's like. nice, Mike. Sure. Anyway, no offense to our Kingston Kingstonian listeners. Yeah. Right now. Absolutely. Um, wow. So, uh, oh, what, what did you grow up listening to, Dan? We didn't. Uh... Um, I grew up listening to very similar. Like you know, we we we've sort of um, talked about this where we kind of our parents had the same albums on in rotation. You know, mm. because like especially back then where you only had a few out a few CDs that they had picked up. And this is a funny generation too because they were just at the sort of beginning like when we were born CDs were just becoming really popular. Mm-hmm. And so our parents had just kind of gotten rid of all their vinyl collection. Right. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have their whole library on deck. They only had what they had rebought or had bought new on CD to play mm-hmm. in their fancy new CD player. Mm-hmm. So my parents had just bought ones that were really important to them, like Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Bob Marley and Graceland and all of these like really important 80s albums uh, as well. Like And even like Sting's new album at the time, like Ten Summoner's Tales, you know. Okay. Did you have uh, dream of the, Dreams of the Blue Turtles? <laughs> Wasn't that one? Who's God. that? Is that Sting? That was Sting, yeah. Oh, God. So I grew up with listening to a lot of, um, like, so... Soft oh, music. Yeah, and Eagles. A lot of Eagles. Oh. Like, the Hell Freezes Over. Not, like, the original. Oh, like, the, the, their comeback Yeah, album. the comeback album. Wow. Because that's what my dad would have bought, being like, well, this is the new Eagles album. Is that, was that where the song in a New York Minute is on? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Get Over one. It. Yeah, Get Over It. That was the two. They had, like, two or three new ones, and then the rest were... Yeah. Does that have their anti-Iraq war song as well? <laughs> oh, no. I would have thought they were Republicans. <laughs> well, think? maybe at the yeah. time it was yeah. different. I feel like they're so broad, the Eagles, that's their whole thing. They could probably play both sides. They could play both Yeah, I just assumed they were like Trump guys. Yeah. Well, maybe they are now. Probably not. Who knows? So, uh, but that, that's interesting. That, that's, you use the word soft that I can't... I'm going to home yeah. in on that because you guys do what some would describe as maybe... Soft-ish rock, yeah. Uh, as Teen Ravine, it cut many names that you know the the devil hath many names, as they say, and so soft rock, FM Gold. I mean, we're big fans of yacht rock. Okay, yeah. mm. and that's sort of that is kind of in the lineage. If you think about where you know, if you draw a line, sort of up through soft rock, starting, I'd say folk rock, right. okay. morphs into soft rock because everyone grows. Grow, so folk rock is like Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. But Simon. then, like, would you say, like, there's the birds, like Graham yes. Parsons that led yeah. to the Eagles? Like, there's a clear line exactly. to me. Yeah, so, you have. <laughs> so that's folk rock. And then you said it's that goes to soft rock? Yeah, because then what ha- happens is a lot, of th- a lot of these guys who are playing on the albums of a lot of these popular folk rockers end up saying, you know what? We, we, ha- we can do this, too. And yeah. also, you have bands like the Doobie Brothers who kind of are starting off as like folk rock and then they get into just kind of like americana rock and then they go you know we're getting a bit older maybe it's time we get a little more sophisticated and start introducing so they go they pick up uh, this young session musician who's doing vocals and stuff and his name's michael mcdonald Mm -hmm. and they say listen we're looking for a new singer we're looking for a new era and who's better to bring it bring us in than the king of you know, sort of jazz rock. Oh shit! I didn't really realize that. So, so like taking it to the wait. 
So yeah. whoa, whoa, listen to the music is not that's Michael pre, McDonald. That's pre, yeah, that's of pre course. McDonald's. But yeah. then, like, uh, what a fool believes, and uh, even taking it to the streets, taking it to the yeah. streets is Michael McDonald. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so he was famous before the Doobie Brothers. No, he was. So his first gig to bring it back to Steely Dan was actually <laughs> as uh, he was a backup singer on Steely Dan. He plays on Peg. That's oh, crazy. Peg. Yeah, Peg. he's that. Peg. In the background, if you listen to that, that's clearly right. Michael McDonald. Wow! And um, he was a backup singer. He toured with them, and he and he um, and he recorded with them. And then Doobie Brothers said, "This guy's something else. We got to get him on on board." Wow! Wow! I never really thought about that, but that's true because old Doobie Brothers is kind of rocking. Yeah. it's like China Grove. That was them. Oh, it's like yeah. a very hard rocking yeah. number, and then you get you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. what also, what an embarrassing, yeah, exactly. what an embarrassing thing to name your band. Yeah, really bad. The yeah. Doobie Brothers, it's like oh, because you smoke the beer weed. drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the the cigarette <laughs> smokers. <laughs> That's so stupid, the Doobie Brothers. It's code, man. No one will know. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's wild. Okay. But what a fool believes is like the the magnum yeah. opus of yacht rock music. That's the canon. That's, That's the, the statement piece. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's like the yacht rock song. So who are who are the guy like the you know who are the Beatles, Stones, and Dylan of yacht rock as, as far the as the Mount you're Rushmore of yacht rock? Yes. <laughs> it's pretty much just Toto. And if you can imagine Mount Rushmore with Steve Lukather, David Page, Jeff Percaro, Jeff Percaro, Mike Percaro, Steve Percaro. Wait, wait. Percaro brothers. How many brothers were in Toto? Three, but uh, Dave Hungate was the original bass player. But then he got, I think he got replaced by Mike Percaro later on. So the Percaros were sort of. They planned a coup at Are some they, point, I imagine. I'm hearing that name. Is it of an Ita- uh, Italian descent? I am, I'm not sure. Well, can I say this? Uh, a, a, a woman um, sent me the... Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend. I'm, I'm, I'm off with Nadia right. right now. My girlfriend. There we go. She said, oh, you got to watch uh, the, the, the video for Africa by Toto. It's so funny. And I honestly, honestly thought the people in the band Toto were black. Right, and they're not. Well, you'd think this, a song called "Africa" and about a man remembering <laughs> and missing Africa. You're not wrong. Do you think it's that? problematic? I was so surprised they're these like yeah. white dudes. It's with problematic. Beards. Well, that's a theme in in later yacht rock, and also just in, speaking of Graceland, there's something there's something about sort of these like aging, th- you know, like white uh, musicians that find, that think they have to go find themselves in Africa. <laughs> wow. At some point, re- reinvent themselves. Even if it involves, yeah. in Paul Simon's case, breaking yeah. an international, like, embargo uh, on South Africa. But sure, yeah. But actually, one of the guys who, speaking of which, who sort of was able to, to kind of play both sides a little bit was, um, uh, was Bobby Caldwell. And Bobby Caldwell... Um, what you won't do for love would, would be like a big hit, you know. Okay. But anyway, he's the guy that came out first and wouldn't show his face and didn't and on on his record covers wouldn't show what he looked like or anything. And people thought that he was a black R and B singer. Oh. No way, because yacht rock in a way at the heart of it is really, I'd say, like the amalgamation of the best of both worlds coming together and making music together, which is really cool. Best of what worlds? Well, you got like the, these, like, you got these... Kind of putting you on the spot here, Dan. <laughs> I yeah. would say, so the grand sort of 
the grand poobah of Yacht Rock would be Quincy Jones. I think he's sort of the... Really? The, yeah. George he, Benson. He, it, well, exactly. But I'd say Quincy was the guy who was able to bring everyone together. Like, for instance, he recognized that these young white players, Toto, were, had something really cool going on. Right. Let's bring them into the session with MJ. Let's bring them in with... Do oh, they with, play? With, yeah. Toto, with yeah, Toto are those session musicians... The band Toto yeah. plays on Thriller. They're the playing. Yeah. They're playing wow. Yeah. Actually, I think I knew that. That's yeah. that's really crazy, though. And wow. Brenda Russell, another uh, black R&B singer, she was paired with lots of these sort of great, you know, L.A. white session players. So you get like he he kind of was able to mix it up in a cool way that uh, hadn't really been happening. Right. Yeah. There is there is yeah. There's a soul influence yeah. in the the yacht rock stuff. Yeah. What's uh, the difference well, between soft rock and yacht rock? Do you think? <laughs> A lot of people forget about the rock element, I'd say, of, of mm. Yacht Rock. And I'd say, like, what people think of soft rock is sometimes they forget that, like, you need... There's, a, there's an edge to Yacht Rock that, like, doesn't get, I'd say, celebrated enough. And for instance, like, Steve Lukather, like a squealing C- Steve Lukather guitar solo is integral to a Yacht Rock song. And who, what band was he part of? Or was Toto. He- he That's, was in yeah. Toto. Wow. And, and he was a session guy who would have yeah, played on like everywhere. every yeah. Yacht Rock song. Like yeah. the, the, the Yacht Rock session players, it's a pretty niche, small group of players. And uh, one of the funny things about it is that they're, they're, it's a, it's a you know, select group of people, pretty, pretty small and niche, as I said. And elite. Elite, yeah. It's very elite. But three <laughs> of the main like, brains behind the operations, the three rock, Yacht Rock producers... Here are their actual names. Okay. Rod Temperton, Todd Templeman, and Russ Tittleman. These are the... That's insane. Okay. Yeah. These are the, this There's is the brains the behind the operation. Temperman, Tittleman, and Todd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whimsical law firm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Smooth law. That's Temperton, what... Templeton, and Tittleman. <laughs> Barristers and solicitors. <laughs> well, can I... So, like, I, we were talking about the Doobie Brothers. I, I feel like, d- does, uh, would a group like Fleetwood Mac, would, do they qualify as, uh, I mean, they're soft rockish or they're not yacht yeah. rocky? There are ones that I'd say get miss, miss, uh, they, they get confused as yacht rock. Right. But they are, I would say, they have some songs. They're definitely, they have some folk rock, they have some straight rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then they also have some soft rock. Right. Like, you know, uh, I don't know, what's a good... Gypsy. Song? Gypsy, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. classic. But I'd say where they, first of all, one of the things that they don't have is is any of the personnel. They don't have any of the guys with Toto playing with them, for instance. They don't, ha- they none, don't have that. Jeff no. Porcaro doesn't play on a lick. So Are that's you willing- like that integral? Like, yeah. Toto's yeah. got to be involved. Well, or, or other players like David, or, or uh, like uh, J- Jeffrey Hay, or... David Foster. David Foster. I mean, there's, there's definitely not the smooth production and keyboard stuff in yeah. any Fleetwood Mac stuff. Yeah. That those that, that Toto or exactly. real yacht rock stuff has. Yeah, because what's his name is producing uh, in the guitar player Lindsey Buckingham. Buckingham, right? right? So you know you don't have a you don't have a Rod Temperton writing the hit, and or then, or right? a and you don't have a Russ Tittleman producing or Todd Templeman. Yeah, none of the three T's. Hi, everybody. This is Nick. And I'm Dan. From the band Teen Ravine. We're on the podcast. We want to and talk to you about Casper mattresses. No, 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 no. We want to talk to you about Squarespace. No, we want to talk to you about a very special exclusive offer right. to come to our show August 2nd at Array Music. The first 
person who messages us on Instagram. Yeah. At Instagram.com slash Teen Ravine. Exactly. And says, hey, I heard you guys on uh, the Landlord Tedit pod mess. And uh, it was great. Yeah. Only positive reviews. Only positive reviews. Yeah. We have very fragile uh, egos. But uh, if the first person who does that, we'll get uh, two complimentary tickets to our show. Yeah. And if they only want one, they can just say they want one. And then if the next person... No, no. One. Yeah. There's no... That sounds too complicated. Sure. Well, then what you said. So we'll do the one... One or two tickets. One or two. Does that make sense? Message us and you'll get it. And you might get a ticket. Who knows? But we're not... Anyway, not promising anything. Check it out. It's caspermattresses.com. No, Dan. So, can I, here's something I've always wondered about. Yacht Rock is known for being smooth as, as hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yet, those, at that time, in LA, in the music industry, everyone was doing mountains of cocaine, yeah. which is not a smooth drug that makes you like cool and, and relaxed. So, how do you explain... The convergence of cocaine and smoothness. I'm glad you asked. It's a good question. And actually, one of the things that cocaine plays an integral role in Yacht Rock for the reason that these guys are some of the hardest working session musicians right. ever. I mean, these guys are like, like a kind of wrecking crew of the late 70s, early 80s. So they're doing gigs. I mean, what's crazy about Toto and Michael McDonald <laughs> and all these sort of and you know Kenny Loggins mm. and um, Messina Messina he jumped off the boat years <laughs> past he sort of stuck with the folk rock stuff Kenny Loggins made the 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 um, he you know he dove in but <clears throat> one of the things that they all do though is despite their success um, commercially they just can't stop working and if you look at right. the discogs. Um, a repertoire of what these guys have played on it's insane I mean, and if, if you're not like a music person a session musician is like if you're you hire them to play on your yeah, album they're basically. like work for hire so you're like we need a uh, we've got this great new artist they, they've got these songs that are written by you know rod temperton and they're amazing <laughs> they're gonna be hit we need someone to play who's the best and these guys may have been up for five days gigging and recording so they're using uh they're right. doing Mountains of cocaine. Just so the cocaine is just right. there. Right. The producers, you know, the Quincy's and the guys, they bring it in just to make sure that these guys can stay up. Because coffee's not wow. doing it at, after you've been doing se- 12 to 12 sessions. Now, James, you know about not relying on coffee to stay awake and relying on cocaine. <laughs> That's true. I uh, Absolutely. That's my coffee in the morning. That and Red Bull and... Uh... So you put the cocaine in a mug... I do. I put the cocaine in a mug, pour in some boiling boiling water <laughs> and some cream, and I drink it. That is so bad. Now, just, just hearing you describe oh, that. Oh, right, because, like, the, uh, give me, well, listen what to the story of these musicians. They did it every yeah, day, and they're fine. you're not recording uh, immortal I'm doing podcasts. Hits. Well, fair enough, fair if, enough. If you boil cocaine, does it become crack cocaine? Oh, actually, water, shit, I'm doing crack water. then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crack. All right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Crack. You're right on that. Are, are there... I mean, a lot of the the big yacht uh, yacht rock bands obviously are from like a specific part of L.A. D- did Canada have a yacht rock scene? Are there any groups that qualify as uh, as Canadian yacht rock bands? Uh, would maybe would Gino Vanelli, uh, or is he more disco? Gino Vanelli from G- Montreal. Yeah, he's from Montreal, and actually he's on the boat. He's on the he's boat. On the boat. Thank. Goodness, I was about to... And that's your term for if it's a yacht rock band, yeah. on the boat. He's on the boat. Love I it. think he recorded with a bunch of guys from New York 
which right. is, which is uh, uh, which is called Yacht York. Yacht York. Yeah, but uh, he he. Yeah. Um, but Gino Vanelli's on the boat. Uh, so is Wide Mouth Mason uh. Tea Party. <laughs> oh T- yeah, Jeff Martin, Mister Yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Martin's not on the boat. No, nor is Wide Mouth. But he, he if he if he starts swimming up to the boat, the guys on the boat they bring out their guns. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Martin and start pointing them at Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Martin's a pirate, and he looks like a he pirate. He looks yeah, like yeah, a pirate. He's, he's in a yeah. little pirate ship going around trying to trying to. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. wore an eye patch, or at least thought about wearing an eye patch for yeah. st- for style. I wonder why they came up with the term yacht rock. Like, you know? Well, I don't think it was them. I think it was, to give all credit where credit's due, it was some guys back in the early 2000s on a YouTube, or on a pre-YouTube, um, on sort of like a... Uh, they released some videos on Ask like, Jeeves. Yeah, I don't even know what did, what did people release it on back then. Oh. Like, like uh, it wasn't. It was pre Reddit too. Anyway, <clears throat> they released some videos, kind of spoofing it a bit, but also celebrating all these you know guys that no one had heard of, the Christopher Cross, Kenny. Oh Loggins, yeah, you know he does sing. Yeah. He also That's avoided a, the camera too, like the guy you mentioned earlier, right? Because he was so very ugly. Well, this is <laughs> this is another important thing about yacht rock, and it's that this is pre MTV, and it was bef- was when you could kind of be in a band and be successful, and no one could know how ugly you were. I actually really miss that because I was thinking about, uh, well, think about Phil Collins. He's like basically what, like the Justin Timberlake of the eighties? I mean, not really, but he's like this big pop star. He was here, and he's just a little bald yeah. guy. Like, that couldn't happen now. I know. You're telling me Phil Collins would be famous if he came out now? No way. If a bald guy tries to get famous, they, they get no him. chance. Yeah. Picture, Do you guys agree? Picture this. I totally agree. Picture this. There's a guy, he's like this kind of like weird, uh, large man in his 30s okay. that comes out as this beautiful voiced angel, Christopher Cross. <laughs> And he is makes he English as well, or was no, he American? American, yeah. Thank God. And very unattractive. You know, he looks like. I mean, he's got a baby face. He's not like, but he's not attracted by any sure. modern standards. Not a hunk standards. by not classic. A, he's, he's like Manny from um, Modern Family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or a bit like Louis Anderson. He's a bit of a like Louis, Louis Anderson. Anderson. Okay, okay. <laughs> so he comes out though, and 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 in 1981 makes the Grammy sweep. Him and Michael O'Mardian no win best song for Sailing. He wins best album um, and uh, best um, or song of the year, best new artist, everything. He wins four Grammys in one sweep, and he for us, Teen Ravine, are, is sort of. Are the gold standard? I mean, that's because sort of, we're so ugly, so it gives us hope. <laughs> no. Because we're guys. Oh, no, no. I was noticing. Well, we're in our. We are. I mean, we are in our thirties, and um, I can we're beat letting that ourselves out if you go. Want. And we are letting ourselves go, <laughs> and and things aren't looking good for us in general. But I'll tell you to see to look back at this era and to see that these guys having a second wind, it puts wind in our sails, so to speak. Well, so it. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's lovely. That's good. I wish we had the ability to play the songs quietly underneath us. But well, we, that we do. <laughs> oh, we do? Oh, well, whatever. As long as no one sues or oh, sends yeah. a cease and desist. But, um, yeah. So that for us is kind of like... So our... this is the right thing for you guys. If you're in your yeah. 30s and you're great musicians, get, get into your That's the template. Rock. I mean, they these guys started... They invented mm. it. We're just sort of... We're, 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 they passed the torch. We're keeping the fire. 
uh, to, to, <laughs> to quote Kenny Loggins. Oh, man. And I think for us, the dream, Nick, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, go ahead. But uh, <laughs> the dream is to ultimately to win at least one or two Grammys so that we can go and buy our own yacht and sail out into the, the sunset. Now, all this talk of yachts has me thinking of uh, on Toronto Island here, we are not Santa Monica, we're not uh, Marina Del Rey, but we do have a yacht club, not don't even, we? Not even Lana Del there Rey. Are two, there are two yacht clubs on Toronto Island, actually. RCYC and, and, and QCYC. The Royal City Can Yacht Club? Yeah. And so that's the, only and the, for Protestants? Royal Canadian? Royal Canadian Yacht Club? I don't know. I think so. And the Queen, Queen City, City Yacht, Yacht Club. Club yeah. Right. Have you been to either of these? Well, it, 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 it ish. I mean, I would say been is to lose, use the term loosely in that we've, we're not, we, we didn't. You broke in. We broke in. We're and aspiring a yacht. Yeah. Owners, I mean, so. we, go, we were around, we were adjacent to the club, and we often sort of go up to people as they're coming out and say, hey, can, do you mind, can we take it up for a spin? Oh, right. And, uh, you know, and they shoo us away. They, yeah, they don't like that at all because it's quite a, we're, we're sort of weird. the riffraff. Yeah. Is, is your dream, do you guys envision you both sharing a yacht and having sort of perverted orgies on it together, or do you want your own, own yachts? Either or, really. I could take... Yeah, we beggars can't do, be choosers. Can I ask, <laughs> too? Right. I remember an interview with Sum 41... Where famous yacht rock group, yeah, <laughs> and the guys like, oh man, we uh, we do it on the tour bus, and you know, uh, Cone's doing it with a girl, and I'm doing it with a girl. It's not that weird. Is that is that true? Or is this a is this a if you're in a band, are you always sort of doing do you guys it? do it in front do, of each other? In front of each other? Do we do? It? Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of I that I'm not. I mean, I think that's a good question. It could be in the cards for us. You should plan uh, a date. <laughs> for that to happen well i mean as any band person people in a band knows you spend a lot of time together and you kind of become it's sort of a brotherhood yeah uh, so that's kind of freaky you know it's kind of a, it's, you know. sure well hockey players they say they'll yeah. jerk off or something in the hockey players room. after every game they get in the dressing room and they all jerk off <laughs> that's what they say I remember in high, I went to a hockey high school that had a hockey team which not every team not every high school did but I remember hearing that the initiation for like a new player or like the new crop of players was that like on the bus ride to the first game they would like hold down the new guys and shave their nuts on a moving bus, which must have been so dangerous. Like a hazing type thing. Yeah. yeah. But like you hit a bump, you could castrate a fella. No, I mean we have too many we have a lot of body issues, so I don't think we could do that. I mean I don't I just don't see us. Yeah. Nick, Nick swims in a t-shirt, for instance. And oh. <laughs> I won't even go near a beach. That's just my Do you think Simon hair. Garfunkel ever had sex in front of each other or even <laughs> double-teamed uh, a groupie? <laughs> I feel like that could have been the start of the end for them. Right. Because I think once you go, you cross that line. That has the potential to ruin a friendship, I think. Yeah. Seeing your friend. Seeing Paul Simon's penis or. But Nick and I are, I mean, we don't have any, we don't, we don't have any misconceptions. I mean, we're, we're friends only. We're sort of like, we're ad hoc friends, as they say. Right. Mm, We're pragmatic about our business. Our friendship is purely based on sort of on, on record sales and charting. And and this is news to me. Do you feel that, Nick? Yeah, I was going to say, is that your understanding of your friend, of your relationship? 
This is a bit of a this is a bit of a harsh uh, revelation, Dan. I mean, uh, we have the same. I feel James and I have the yeah, same thing. We do. We, we only see each other when we record the podcast, and also that no communication yeah. otherwise. And also that uh, you sort of see it as kind of a friendship, and I don't at all. That's true. So it is actually a similar dynamic in a way. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that part of the the dynamic is is sort of this ongoing dis- um, hope. I think that Nick has that we'll become friends down the line. But for me, it's it's mostly uh, music business, and mm-hmm. I think that my goal is to, like I said, work to win gra- a Grammy and to uh, ultimately to join the club, the yacht club. I, wow. This is great. The campaign has begun. Um, yeah. You guys got to keep your eye on the prize. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of competition out there, and I think Teen Ravine is making a pretty solid. I mean, we're making a go at it because we put out an album now, and it's self independent release. Oh, yeah. What's the album called? It's called Teen Ravine. Oh, Excellent. Okay. So, no mistaking it. How, what was? I always wondered why bands when they do the self titled one. What was your? Because is it like? Are, do you have you tried to think of its album name, and I, you're going, oh, this is I too hard. I think the debut album. Should be self-titled because just introduce one thing at a time. It's like no one knows who you are, mm. so you're this is this thing, Teen Ravine or whatever. Yeah, so ah. And then the second beyond that, subsequent albums can have an identity beyond that because it's like a, it's a new thing. But like it makes that, sense actually. for me for the sell, the debut album to be self-titled. To I always thought that's the nice. best name for a, a first album, no matter what band it is. I would say I would. I'm not a musician. I would say not self-titled. I'd say every band's first album should be called. Pablo Honey. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> a Radiohead fan. Good one. Yeah. Pop, well, we well, we would take that and we'd go Pablo Cruz because that's, oh, that's where we're... Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar. Cocaine. Oh. Yeah. Bring it back to cocaine. Yeah. But I think Toto, uh, not to bring it back, <laughs> but they did. They just said, you know what? First album, one. Oh, yeah. Second Volume album, one. two. Shit. Third album, three. And that's where Led Zeppelin got the idea. Fourth album. <laughs> Four. Wow. Did that what they just And speaking did? of Africa, that would have been Total Four, 1982, I believe. Oh, damn. So, no, Toto's, excuse my ignorance, but they're, everyone knows Africa. Their other hits were, was it Sarah? No, no that's, that's Hall and Oates. Mac. <laughs> so, also Fleetwood also Mac. Also Fleetwood Mac. What are the ones like, take oh, yeah. me Sarah's Smile, sorry, no, you're right. Yeah. Sarah's Fleetwood Mac, yeah. What's the, yeah. It, Toto did, uh, what's the one like, take hold me the line, all the right? way. Hold the line. That's Toto. And Hold the Line is a great example of the line that I think Yacht Rock <laughs> is needs to hold. Holding. Because holds. there's a rock element to that that, like I said, people forget about is important. And it's rock. Yeah. It's oh, and, and don't they have that one, Rosanna or Rosanna. something? Rosanna. Rosanna. That's the one yeah. I meant. 99. Rosanna. Right. Yeah, they I mean, rule. we could go on and on. but it, do you, uh, Is Chicago Yacht Rock or Soft Rock? Well, okay. I love uh, Peter Satira. James, you shouldn't yeah. have brought this up. Uh-oh. The thing about Chicago is that they, around, in their, uh, again, in their like late 30s, sort of where they were going, I don't know, should we hang up mm. you know, the skates? Should we sort of give it up and move on to our next thing? Mm-hmm. Not the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> Imagine if sports teams also kind of uh, smooth things out after a few years. <laughs> well, so like, <laughs> great comment. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be too topical, but Please. you know, like Federer, you know, talking Wimbledon. About us, he's smooth. He's pretty smooth, and he's thirty-seven. Class years act, old, right? Yeah, true. So he's about at the age where, in music and sports alike. 
you sort of, you know, you're you're about to be sent out to pasture, right? Yeah, is that the is that same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's similarly where these guys were at, and um, in terms of um, Chicago. They got David Fostered around that time. So he came... He's in the band? No, he produced them. He came in Ah. and produced them and said, listen, none of this multiple vocalist garbage. Peter Cetera is singing. No way. We're going to make it smooth. Because they were kind of rockers before, right? Like 25 and 624 is like... But then, yeah, later it was like... uh, if you leave me now, if you leave me now I is love Saturday. That song. Saturday, so love that's Foster right there, and you can hear Foster because all the twists and turns, twists and turns, a lot of different chord movements, and the I classic horn, the horny rock. Do you guys mind if I tell you my favorite lyric in all of Chicago? Not at all. But pro- possibly all of music. It's in the Chicago song Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Is it Saturday in the Park yep. or Saturday? Saturday. Where oh. the line. A man selling ice cream. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's, it is in a way very Paul Simon, isn't it? It's very sort of matter of fact, just yeah. describing. What about the, um, I, th- I mean, hard to say I'm sorry. That song's a, like, yeah. that song is like an emotional tour de force. <laughs> it is. Like, you can't even hear that song and not go mental. Am I wrong? But I'll tell you this about Chicago. You're not wrong. But. <laughs> Many people are wrong in assuming that they are yacht rock because they're very smooth. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cetera has such an iconic sort of like early 80s, late 70s voice. Yeah. Much like other bands like the Bee Gees and, and you know. and But the thing about, I'd, th- I'd say the song Sunny Think Twice, 1982, is about as close as Chicago gets to the boat. Oh. Whoa. And I that's about that it. Because that, you know, uh, that that's, they need, they don't have... They are too soft sometimes, and they have acoustic guitars, and they don't have that doobie bounce. That okay, is crucial, and this brings us to another important thing, which is mm. the Doobie Brothers. Right? Damn. Yeah, which it's is all connected. Cig- this is like the number twenty three, the movie. It is, and once you start seeing the patterns, damn. Now, did did F- David Foster produce the Doobies as well? David Foster did not, but he. Uh no, I don't think he played on. They, so they were kind of contemporaries. They would have been kind of like Federer and Djokovic, and that they were kind of mm. mutual rivals. <laughs> rivals. But, Is David Foster that related to David Foster Wallace? Uh, cousins. Okay. Yeah. But if to answer your question from a while back ago, what would the Canadian yaw rock sort of yeah. thing? It's basically David Foster. And I was oh, he's Canadian. Yeah, he's a Canuck. He's, yeah, I think he's from Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver Island. Mm, yeah, and he right. had a band called Airplay, which Airplay. Uh, and um, it was him and um, oh god, not not Bill Champlin, but Jeff uh, Martin. Oh, yeah, Jeff Martin from the Tea Party, <laughs> and the two of them had that was their breakout band in the seventies. They only did one record, but that kind of became his calling card for producing. Wow, interesting. Wow. I, and I'm, I just have to mention this. Uh, I was thinking about it before. You know what song's so good also? Um, I know it's Peter Cetera's solo. I am a man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero that you're dreaming of. I've heard you sing that at karaoke before. I love before. that song. From the Karate Kid 2 forever. soundtrack. Um, he Glory looks of Love. Hilarious. Yes. He, he he looks really funny in that video. I really recommend people YouTube that video. 
Uh, he looks wild. But you know, to the point we were talking about, I can't actually think about what, I don't know what Peter Cetera looks like. And I think that's a testament oh to this Oh my era. God. He I looks can't... like Anne Murray, basically. He does. He looks like uh, you're in, <laughs> when you're in grade five and you meet your friend's mom. Right. That's what he looks like. In the Gloria Love video, it's wild. He's sort of almost wearing like a Northern Reflection style, I think, like wind, not windbreaker, but like fleece. And he has a diamond earring and... He, Very mod. He's like quadrophenia wearing a... I think parka. you're describing yeah. Bruce Coburn right now. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Oh, God. I can't... That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a real look. But you're, you're right. Yeah. You you don't... Bruce Coburn looks a bit like Anne Murray, too. Yeah. He? That's true. They all kind of the same lab, I think. <laughs> Some lame scientist in the Imagine 1940s. <laughs> Both from Vancouver. Imagine an album... Uh, David Foster producing Destroyer, and it would—I mean, it wouldn't yeah. sound too different from the Black Mountain Kaput or whatever. Yeah, Destroyer well, like Kaput. Totally, Destroyer is. I think. I think I haven't. We haven't spoken to him directly because he won't return any of our <laughs> emails or emails. But he, I think, is barking up the same tree. I think he's got a lot of sort of yacht yachty mm-hmm. influences that I think he's he's taken from. Yeah. So uh, you guys, um, do you? Um, you know, you, you have this soft, you play this kind of soft music, yeah. but do you have like guilty pleasures of like hard, you Venom. know, grunge or metal or, you know, system of a down? Like stuff we grew I, up. That you, that you do love, but you just don't play? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Chop Suey by System of a Down. I actually genuinely Huge. do love that song. It's amazing. Wake up. How's it get to fade away the shake up? You want to? Oh my god, I love that song. I was listening to System of a Down the other night. It's amazing. I love them. Yeah, it's so good. But Limp Bizkit came on the other day. It was somewhere we were in some bar in in the Junction area or something, and it was like, uh, and Limp Bizkit came on, and I was like, you know what? I don't think we need to go through this again. I think this is fine. Do you think there will be, in the way that there has been a yacht rock uh, resurgence? Do you think in like ten years, fifteen years, even two years, there'll be a new metal resurgence where? Uh, younger kids will, will sort of ironically like uh, Limp Bizkit yeah. and Corn and but Slipknot. Those, but I know, I know what you the, mean. The, the rap don't... rock revival. Yeah, but there was kind of yeah. But what about Rage Against the Machine? That was good. That was cool. They were before the right. Yeah. Maybe mid nineties hard yeah. rock and was cool, and then late nineties it got really bad. What's the singer from Creed? What's his name? Scott Stapp. Scott. Yeah. Is that his name? Scott's tap, yeah. Have you heard the song he he did for the Marlins? Yes. Let's play ball. It's game day. He <laughs> yes. it is insane. Yeah. Uh, Mike, we gotta put that it's up. Like a, it, is it like a morose no, baseball it's, play? Let's go Marlins. Yeah. Oh. It's like a, a double it, play. Yeah. A I, stolen base. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was meant to be like a pump-up song. I guess the Marlins hired him to right. do a pump-up song. Play, it's nuts. Played it in the stadium. Like this, it's insane. I also feel like Miami wow. doesn't strike me as a big Creed <laughs> fan base. Like it's kind of oh, a no, no, Latin no, you're wrong. big Cuban population. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love Creed and you know mournful <laughs> anthemic rock. I yeah. think sports and music have a really <laughs> sort of difficult. Uh, relationship i we were talking about this a couple of days ago we were saying like you know it it uh, we find it kind of incoherent when you find out like a really great musician like bob dylan or something is like a huge <laughs> baseball fan or something like that <laughs> mm. billy Plus, corgan is a huge cubs fan yeah and mm-hmm. i'm always like 
I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like, I, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, but it's the mystery. mystery. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 Billy Corgan really ruined it because A, he's like really into fantasy baseball. Yeah. And B, then he's really into wrestling and became commissioner of a wrestling upstart league. Yeah. James. Um, and I, I hate to put you on the spot, but mm. would you imagine Billy Corgan singing the beginning of Take Me Out to the Ball Game? I'm sure he's done how, it 100%. But how do you think that would sound? Take me out to the ball game. I don't know. <laughs> Anyone else have a good Billy Corgan? <laughs> My friend once when I was visiting Los Angeles, we were walking in his neighborhood. He's like, see this house right here? Guess who lives here? James Eha. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" Was that I Aaron was like, Eves? Simultaneously impressed and also didn't care. Uh, but yeah, the world story. is an umpire. Oh my god, that's so that's good. good. I actually, I mean, I guess it's just because I'm getting old and it, and it's stupid. But I really miss like 1991 <laughs> to like 1995 music a lot. Like. You know, that era was Smashing Pumpkins and Weezer and Rage Against the yeah. Machine, and I know it's all lame, but I love it. It's I great. still love it. And I don't think anything, things don't really sound like that anymore, do they? It was cool. I mean, a lot has to do with, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot has to do with sort of us coming of age. I mean, I was, yeah. I was six, so I don't know if that's not coming of age, but it was, it was a huge, like, for, I just remember being so, like, amazed at, like, oh my God, I can't believe these young guys, girls are doing this stuff. And they're only in their twenties at this time, right? Like yeah. the Weezer got you know, and I was thinking, I don't know, I could do it. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Now you said the W they word and we've been talking about Toto for a while. Yeah. What is your review of Weezer's oh. cover of Africa by Toto. It sucks. It's brutal. And it you is know really bad. Talk about, I mean, uh, you know, you don't, uh, they didn't need to do that. No one needed to hear. Uh, Toto's perfect as it is. It's yeah. sort of a What perfect... would you say to um, Rivers Cuomo? To Rivers if he was here with us right now. All right. Well, we'd sit him down, first of all. We'd get him nice and liquored up. Oh, yeah. And then we'd drink? Say, he seems like a kind of guy who hasn't drank since he was Well, that's the thing. We'd say, listen, right. pal, take it, you need to take maybe give him some of your uh, Yeah, potion. crack. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd say, A glass of crack. We have good news and we got bad news. And the good, what do you want first? And then we'd say, look, the good, good news, news is, is you're you, rich. You're rich and you got the blue album and, and Pinkerton. Pinkerton and even the green album to a, a lesser sure. degree. <laughs> <laughs> butter him up a bit <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd say bad here's news. the bad news and uh we'd say look you need to stop because yeah you can't keep you can't keep rehashing uh music and covering it and doing a, a worse job than the original that's the thing the cover was just like faithful ex- in a boring it was way too similar yeah. but just not as good in the exact same and that's right. like their highest charting record it's that's what's bummer. so bizarre is like so, well such a clearly people kind of the really world is just this. a bunch of stupid idiots yeah I don't, it yeah, is. Forget about rivers. We need to sit the world down. Yeah. And <laughs> well, all the TV shows that are most popular are so stupid too. What's your favorite worst? What's your what's your what's the worst TV show that you? That uh, you hate Bachelor. The most? I watch. You hate watch. Like oh, that you, I hate you, watch. You hate, yeah, you watch Bachelor. Mm, Bachelor's probably one of those. Yeah. Mm, that's a tough one. Do you guys have? A, oh, I'm a bit musical there myself. You got musical. Do you guys yeah. have a? What do you hate? I, well, I don't hate watch it, but I know it's not good. Yeah. I always watch America's Funniest Home Videos, yeah. oh, which to me is, is the funniest on? show that's ever been ever produced. It's still on, currently hosted by Alfonso Ribeiro, and he's sharply dressed every episode. 
Best dressed man on TV. Mike, you also watch those morning like Regis and Kelly and stuff. Yes, I do. And Marilyn Dennis <laughs> and uh, which is the so against your personality, you social Regis? funny way. <laughs> Regis and Kelly. Yeah, like I can't imagine Mike watching these. I can't get up early enough for those. That's yeah. my problem. Well, musicians. Yeah, yeah. You guys are not known for waking up early. Musicians yeah. morning, crack of noon. That's what we say. Ah, I love that. Now, before we move on to to the game, <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I ask both of you? What is your uh, a song you'd say is the most underrated uh, yacht rock or soft rock classic that our listeners need to to look up and mm. and know? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like it's a gem that people don't know. About. A gem that people don't know. Oh God! I mean, how about "You Need a Hero" by? Pages. Pages. That's a great Pages. one. Yeah. Pages is a very underrated yacht rock band that no one knows about. Now I hear the word page and I'm thinking Stephen Stephen Page. No, it has nothing <laughs> to do with the ladies. Okay, I'll still give it a listen. <laughs> Pages. And what's the song called? Sorry. You Need a Hero. And what what is uh what is so good about it and why wasn't it a hit, do you think? Hmm. I don't know. It's got all the it's got all the the signifiers of a good yacht rock song. It's got the back and forth uh, electric piano. It's got some twists and turns. Yeah, it's got that. It's got what a fool believes. Bam, 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 bam. It's got the doobie bounce. It's got the doobie bounce. And it's got a huge, huge chorus that sounds like it could be uh, Michael McDonald, even though it's not. I don't think he's okay. singing on that. But I, it, it's just a banging, perfect yacht rock song. I try. I, I don't know why it was not a hit. It's I don't amazing. know why it wasn't. It was written. And guess who plays drums on that track? Jeff Percaro. Jeff Percaro. Oh, the damn he... Picaro brothers at it again. And uh, when did he sleep? And <laughs> and and Polino da Costa, which is also he's a guy that played percussion on a lot of your favorite tracks. Polino da like Costa, bongos and like little shakers yeah. and things. Yeah, Those yeah. are big in yacht rock. He was auxiliary, and not only that, but you had Jay Graydon, which now my memory serves me is with the other um, half of Airplay with David okay, Foster. Yeah. Huge I can't guitar it's player. all the same Huge dude. Yeah. yeah, it's a very small niche little world. So, so it's not like, oh, like, grunge, like there's a million bands. It's like a few dudes made Yacht Rock. Yeah. And women as well. Brenda Russell, huge. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. And what did she uh, play? Or was she a writer, a songwriter? Yeah, she was an artist, singer. Yeah. Okay. And I think Quincy produced her, some, some of her stuff. And, and again, I think he kind of like got a lot of the Thriller squad together and said, you know, but I, I love Brenda Russell. I think I think one of the guys that's underrated, or people don't even necessarily know, is uh, is associated with yacht rock is George Benson, and his song "Give Me the Night" oh, is one God. of the greatest songs probably ever done. "Give Me the Night," ever please don't wa- please don't walk away. I mean, he wasn't one breezing. It's just an breezing. <laughs> Bre- Breezin is the best. Breezin is 1976. This is a good example of sort of the the, the, the the early sort of primordial ooze of Yacht Rock. In that 1976, technically before Yacht Rock starts as a genre, but I think George Benson lays the groundwork in Breezin. So if, I, I think it's important if you're going to get into the genre to listen to the markers. You got Breezin. You got Boz Skaggs, Lowdown, 76. <laughs> They're all setting the, the standard. You got some Steely Dan early stuff going on, bad sneakers and whatnot. And then I think you go up and you go, all right, 1980, what a fool believes. Right. Damn. And then you say, this, the is, Mount Everest? this is the Mount Everest. And then you go into... Hopefully sit- no, not dead bodies up there like the real no. Mount Everest. You, then you get into some of the... You get into some of the sort of... The the copycats like Robbie Dupree, we love him to death, but you know the guy ripped off that song like no one's business. 
Not a, not even a year after it comes out. Does ripped he off come? Breezin, you mean? Or, or ripped off What a Fool Believes. It's called Steal Starts Away. Wow. you got to listen to it. It's egregious. Ironically wow. called Steal Away. I'm surprised the guy didn't get served with copyright infringement wow. all over the place. But it was yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome tune. And then I think you go into, you get into Toto into the late 80, 84, 82, 84, uh, into you know Africa and the sort of later half of it, where it gets a little more synth heavy and a little more sort of uh, you know worldly. Interesting. All right. And, and sorry, just one no, more question, please, if Michael. You, I if know you'll oblige me. Please, please. Do, are there any stories about uh, Quincy Jones interacting with Eddie Van Halen uh, when he did his solo in uh, Beat It? Did oh. they get along? Well, there's a great. Yeah, because here's actually. I don't know if it's a, a well-known story about, but apparently, so Steve Lukather, the guitarist for Toto, was kind of the guy, the go-to guy, right, for guitar solos, and Jay Graydon as well. But Steve Lukather was kind of the guy, and Quincy Jones worked with Steve Lukather in for Thriller sessions, etc. And there's is some rumors that. Uh, Steve was really upset that he called in Eddie Van Halen to do that solo because he could have done it himself for half the price. Right. And do you think that David Lee Roth also was in the studio when Eddie was recording the, the solo for uh, He Beat might it? have been his roadie, his like guitar tech. <laughs> Let me plug that in for you there, Eddie. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty, they're like, they're a working class band, aren't they? I think Man, they were, yeah. yeah. They're like sort of. A, so there was some bad blood because the, Quincy's regular guitar guy. Was suddenly yeah. shunned for beat it. Yeah, because wow. he was like, "Well, I can do this." Because you know, Quincy's like, hey, uh, "You know, listen, bo- uh, no, I, uh, oh, he oh, can't do yeah, that. Can't do the no." But anyway, <laughs> uh, I got a Van Halen boys coming in today. So oh, apparently, he can do it. We got uh, we got good news. Good news, everybody. He's still We're doing it. Do it. And then Steve uh, Luke was well. Uh, he's like, "Oh, that's cool. Why is this, why are they coming in?" You know. And then Quincy was like, "Well, he's going to do the solo on uh, Thriller or on." Uh, thriller beat it beat it, beat it. <laughs> so, i'm telling you to beat it damn so apparently steve was just like i'm gonna beat it i'm gonna i'm gonna go get some lunch and so he stormed out of the studio and he wasn't happy about that but oh god to an in and, in and out burger probably <laughs> got a got a uh, animal style from the secret menu, he was so mad. He ordered everything off the secret menu. Well, that's oh, that's uh, that would make me yeah. mad too. If, yeah, he didn't like know, that, and yeah. especially since you know he wasn't. They weren't bringing in the drummer to, re- to replace uh, Jeff, right? So wow. imagine if Quincy Jones was like, "Sorry, Michael, um, you're not singing Billie Jean. We're bringing in David Lee Roth to do it," <laughs> and he slowly replaced everyone on Thriller with Van Halen. I mean, that would have changed history. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, and honestly. I don't, you know, I don't, we don't need to get that into it. But with the whole, with Michael Jackson, with the situation going on with Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and understandably, people aren't listening to those records anymore. Or they don't like, and 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 yeah. so what? But what I think is a good opportunity is that there's so many other people around that era that were kind of working with the same people that are worth listening to, like Brenda Russell and and uh, Pages and the Pages, Pages and uh and bobby caldwell and 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 i think and george benson and these guys were kind of what and 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 you know um and uh filling gains and uh you know anyway but like there's lots of guys that are, you can get into that you don't have to just listen to, <laughs> to, to, right. to michael jackson anymore they could remove his vocals and re-release all of his yeah. stuff and it would yeah. still be great music oh, yeah we can, then we can feel better better about it um 
wild. Well, Mike, did you have any more? Uh, I'm done with my questions. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I rest well, my case, Your Honor. Well, um, well, that was uh, what we learned. I feel like we learned about Yacht Rock, what it is, who you got to check out. How to get on the boat. How to get on the boat. And you, I think, you have some, I mean, you, I know you were speaking with us earlier. You had a question about whether one of your favorite bands could get on the boat. Oh, Gowan? Yeah. Yeah, is Gowan is can Gowan get on Absolutely the boat? Absolutely not. Oh. oh shit. That's too bad. Yeah. Moonlight but Desires, Strange Animal. Be, I think that's the kind of thing you could play at the marina and get away with it. Oh, Strange Animal, totally. You could imagine yeah. Adam. Yeah, okay, on the marina. Yeah, as people are kind of getting bored. Yeah, and going, like, okay. When is, when are we, when, it's, we've been waiting here for a while. And, okay. Uh, I'm hungry. So that's as close as he gets. Okay. Yacht Rock songs with swears in them. So before we move on, oh. I know I said I no, have no, no more Mike, questions. Please, I mean, hey, take your time. I don't think so. There's not a lot of Toto swearing. No, says, definitely no yelling. No, because they're... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one... There's no one yelling. That's absolutely it's number one. It's mostly talking See about how lonely you are. fucking asshole. There's always a sentimental fool in some respect. Yeah. But uh, it, but I think not getting too over-sentimental or sexual or anything yeah. like that is, is the name of the game. And there's no swearing because I think the reason is practical. Mm. Because they... Get on that FM radio. They gotta get on the right. radio. Right. And no one's gonna play your song if you got a, a curse word in it. Right, so it's not like sailing. Remember, I want to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> no, these yeah. guys were going for Grammys. I think that's what you got to yeah. keep in mind, and that's kind of where our heads are at. Is that right. you want to win? Grammy. Well, we're gonna Grammy. do it. We're gonna start a hashtag. We're gonna get you start a hashtag in the in the Grammy race, and I have a good feeling we're gonna get you a Grammy. That's so nice of you guys. <laughs> how many, we're really appreciative. How many Junos is worth a Grammy? Do you think? Hmm. Not yeah, what's the conversion 15? rate? Probably fifteen. Is it same like the Canadian American dollar? Is that kind I of thing? I think the Canadian yeah. dollar is probably better. It's like than seventy this. cents yeah. to a dollar. Yeah. yeah. So seven to so point seven of a Grammy is a Juno. That mm. seems even. What about high. the Canadian Screen high. Awards versus Ooh, the Oscar? That's like that's like you're in uh, of an Oscar the Weimar Republic or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's like you need a wheelbarrow to buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, yeah. that, that's really a high inflation. One to ten, I'd say. I'd say maybe yeah. So, it, one Grammy or ten Junos. Either way, we'll. I think we're going for the yacht. And are you guys foregoing uh, Juno glory altogether? You're not interested. Well, if they offered you a Juno, would you send it back? We're or, going uh, for the. What do they say? Going for the moon or the stars? And if you hit the moon, that's fine too. And the moon, I guess, is the Juno. <laughs> sort of. Uh, not yeah. to, I mean, Neil Armstrong wouldn't be, he wouldn't love that. Cause, no, he wouldn't. Because I think going to the moon was hard enough. It's hard for him. But for us, we're going further than that. We're going to the stars. Oh, I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I love it. I, you know, but yeah, we'll take a Juno for sure. All right. Yeah. We'll take a Juno. that down. No. Well, um, I think this brings us to uh, the point of the show where we, uh, we play the game. It's time for the game, the game, the game. It's one of our super popular games. They always go viral and that is our aim. So sit back and please enjoy this game. Nice. So um, what this game is, guys, is uh, I'm going to tell you the uh, the titles and brief summaries of a few movies. And you four, three... Uh, you guys guess if it's real or if I made it up. So it's a competition. Anything it's a competition. 
It's uh, I love it. Sort of like Balderdash. Yeah. 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 But about movies. Gotcha. All right, let's start here. Okay, what's a good one to start with here? Okay. Um, a movie called Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead from 2006. And the summary is, some fast food workers discover the restaurant they work in is built on an ancient <laughs> burial ground and the chickens they cook are trying to kill them. Was that real or fake? Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead. I don't know why, but my hunch is that it's real. Hmm. I feel like that could be like the, the, the FDA could put that out as like a salmonella sort of <laughs> like awareness sort of mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's real. It reminds me of like an Ardman animated uh, movie, like uh, I love Chicken those. Run. Uh, Wallace and Grom. I'm going to say it's real. It's real. Yes. Wow. And it was it, not a it was a re- real live action movie. Wow. And here's an interesting tidbit I saw about it. The budget for this movie was $500,000 oh. and the box office was $22,000. Not good. So it lost money even though it cost nothing to make. Yes. That's that's actually a lot like our our uh, record. Our record, yeah. Oh, really? You put $500,000 into it? No, but it did cost <laughs> The ratio is about right. Yeah. Okay. Sort of a uh, negative. All right. Well, here's the second uh, movie here. This one's called The Lion, The Bitch, and The Wardrobe from 2009. Summary is, when an IT worker finds a mysterious portal in his new rental unit, he crosses over to find himself in a mystical, magical fantasy land. There's just one problem. The queen of the land is an absolute royal bee, and she does not like visitors. I'm going to say this is maybe not real. The lion, the bitch, and the wardrobe. Just because they usually, like we were talking about swears a few moments ago, usually to get a wide release or to make some money as a movie, you don't put a swear in the in the title. I'm just going to say it's not real. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's a heart heart net hmm. uh, original. Is my is my is my guess. All right. I I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna be sort of the uh, devil's advocate devil's advocate here yeah contrarian and say that it's real because I kind of just hope it's real. I want to see that movie. It's made up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That probably was a giveaway. Yeah. Using the swear. The bitch in the boardroom. But yeah. it's a, it sounds like a good pitch. Like you should bring it to. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking Lantos. of. I was thinking of that show, The Bee in Room Twenty Three or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Don't trust. Yeah. Maybe it's the lion, the pitch in the wardrobe. Oh, I should have done around that. Yes. New movie ideas. That'd be good. All right. How about this one? Zombievers, twenty fourteen. A trio of college girls looking for some fun times in a secluded forest lake house um, end up being followed by their horny boyfriends. However, that turns out to be the least of the girls' problems as they all get attacked by zombievers. So, college doesn't, girls... Doesn't explain what zombievers are, it's just... Zombie beavers. Right, 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 okay. I do love the trope of, of, of uh, you know, college kids going into a, into a, lake, into house a lake house and yeah. stuff goes wrong. Pretty sexy. There's horniness. Yeah. Oh, Mike? I'm going to say, I'm going to say fake. Okay. Zombievers. <laughs> 2014? Yeah. I think I would remember this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has a bit of an odor to it. I'm not, I'm not uh, convinced. Pre-Trump. True. True. <laughs> But post 9-11. Yeah, does this feel like an Obama-era movie? <laughs> yeah, it does. 
It does feel like the kind of movie that would come out when people had nothing else to worry about. So I think it is an <laughs> Obama era. <movie. laughs> I don't think it's a movie that would come out now. There's too much going on. Hmm. So you're saying... I think it's real. It's real. Oh, yes. what? Zombievers. Got Damn me. it. You got and I, me. And, I, and that was literally what I copy and pasted from the internet of the summary. Wow. They are followed by their horny boyfriends. That turns out to be the least of their problems. How, how much horny. did that movie cost and how much did it make I the box I don't office? have that info, but yeah. I will we'll get it. And I wouldn't a, mind seeing the accounting or just getting some financial information. The one sheet. Yeah. Zombievers. Um, okay. How about this one? <laughs> Jam Babies. 1972. Terror strikes a small New Mexico town when several pregnant mothers give birth to what appears to be jam. The FBI is brought in to investigate and determine that this jam may actually be alien in origin. Soon the jam forms into a giant super creature that intends to take over the earth. Jam babies. Could happen. Um, I'm going to say fake. <laughs> Why? It's uh, Jam Babies, 1972. It just doesn't uh, doesn't seem like the kind of movie that would have been made then or, or ever. Mm. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. To each his own. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm going to side with Mike on this. I don't think... Uh, mm. Thank you. I, I think it's it's not passing the, the sniff test. Hmm. I think I'm going to go contrarian again here because I think that 1972, the budgets were just like way out of whack and i think people were throwing money all over the place at every idea about there was a lot of weird movies at the time and so i i'm gonna go i mean what was another 70s block was attack of the killer tomatoes 70s or something you know that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. i think that's just what inspired your idea no no well let's hold on so i'm gonna go real i made it up (laughs) but if I didn't call it Jam Babies, you maybe you would have believed Only it. Only because the last time we did this, you had a fake one that was like, a guy keeps turning into cream every oh, night. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I got to get better at these. Goo-based movies. You got to right? get off the food sort of... I do, You might I be do. hungry. That might be, it's like yeah. going shopping when you've already eaten. or it's, you, know, you might want to not eat. Or you might want to eat before you come up with yeah. ideas because you're having too many food stuff. Gross idea, though. Imagine like, oh, this baby's just jam. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, the baby's born, and then the nurse is like, "Yeah, it's uh, bu- uh it's jam. Yeah, it's spreadable. It's delicious. <laughs> why is she? Why is she tasting it? To yeah, test? well, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should make it to have that line in the trailer. Yeah, it's spreadable. It's spreadable. <laughs> that would be a good commercial for jam. <laughs> the jam comes out. <sighs> All right, last one. Oh boy. Surf Nazis Must Die, 1987. When the son of a gun-wielding woman is murdered by neo-Nazi surfers in a post-apocalyptic future, his mother hunts them down to extract her bloodthirsty revenge. First of all, I'm going to say that nothing about surf culture (laughs) is welcoming to fascism. Uh, Look at the Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, uh, Dick Dale and his Deltones, Um, (laughs) even the Surfaris. None of them <laughs> were sympathetic to uh, Hitler and his cause. All that you know, I mean. What about Jack Johnson? Or what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Landlord and tenant Podmas claims Jack Johnson, Nazi. He's well, a raging I Nazi, s- isn't he? I think he's a, well, he's a surfer at least. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to say 
despite what I just said, I think this movie sounds likely. Hmm. I'm going to say it's real. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, my, my initial hunch was also real. I don't think it... Uh it didn't involve uh, babies or jam or any mm. weird thing got a weird brain. Mm. So I think it's it felt real to me. Hmm. Yeah, surf culture's right sort of ripe for uh, <laughs> a dark turn. A, yeah, like because it's such a it's in the eighties, yeah, especially in the eighties. Yeah, because the eighties, yeah, were were because you know the Beach Boys. It's like oh wow, they're so perfect. Yeah, well, let's see the underside, the underbelly. Yeah, and you had stuff like eighties were dark. You know, you had like mm. Madonna and like Depeche Mode. Yeah, kind of like ooh, I don't know. So I feel like you could take this. Pinochet. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. Where was he? Romain? No, was he? Romanian? No, that was Chachescu. Sorry, he was a Argentinian. Argentinian? Okay. Or Chile? Chile, Chile. Sorry. Sorry, Chile. Chile. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. And then you had the... So this is like post-Cold War, right? So 87. 87, uh, kind of still near, hanging in there. in the so end. Things are tense. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with fake. It's real. Oh. Yes! It's real. Mike, I think Mike and Nick maybe no, you didn't. You know, you guys got, got one, one wrong, wrong, but Dan got no. a whole whack of wrong. Yeah, yeah. So we but won, contrarian, yeah. which I respect. I like to give everyone a fair shake, and that's what I'm sort of here to advocate. Oh, thank for the, God for the for the, for the faker ideas. Um, so <sighs> that was fun. That was really fun. Now, before we go, you guys have uh, a, a show coming up, and please say the show or anything else you'd like to. to yeah, pork. we do. We have a, we have a show coming up. It's August second. It's our album release show where we're releasing vinyl of our record. Vinyl. Yeah, real yeah. LPs. Of real, Teen Ravine, of, the album? Teen Ravine, our debut self-titled album. And it's going to be a very special show because for the first time ever, we are going to be, we've reimagined our songs uh, and we'll be backed up by a chamber quintet. So horns wow. and strings, it'll be really lovely. Mm. And uh, David Foster wait. would be very proud of us because wow. we are really pulling out the sort of red carpet here. And we've got a bunch of great musicians. We've got a video projection team happening with some of the guys that worked on our videos cool. with us. And it's going to be a crazy multimedia fun experience. Where is the show? It's at Array Music, which is yeah. uh, on Walnut Street, which is just south of Trinity Bellwoods. Yeah. So I have the address here. It's 155 Walnut yes. Avenue. And what a cute address. Yeah. That's a, and we've got tickets address. for sale. Um, on You can go to on, find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can find Insta. us on, on teenrubine.com. And you can find us on... And then we have ticket links there. Eventbrite, I think, is where we're doing it. And, uh, and also tickets at the door. Very cool. Yeah. It's going to be great. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to be cool. We'll, we'll have to check that out. And what was it, August 2nd, you said? Yeah, we'll August put you guys on the guest list. Oh, please do. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll be there. And listeners, be sure to get your tickets. And yeah. get the damn... Can people order the vinyl when it's released? On, well, on... for there's a limited edition uh, deal or whatever. And it's... <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you uh, buy a ticket through... It's, uh, so when you go to buy a ticket, you can also pick up an LP for a, a good uh, price. Oh, and if you don't come to the show, you can buy it. Uh, yeah, we're going to have it online to, to deliver. Perfect. Yeah. All right, well, we'll put up the uh, links to the show and your uh, social media in our show notes for this episode. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Guys. Well, uh, Dan Griffin, Nick Rose, thanks so much for coming on, teaching us about Yacht Rock. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's a blast. We're big fans of the pod. And oh, Thank you so God. much for having us. My, our pleasure. Very much. Michael? See you, James. I don't feel it. Distaste 
for the song is what I feel. You know, in order to assess what we just did, my only sense of this question occurs, what do we need, what do we want? We now have a hunk of this tape that establishes the groove of the song to play for players when we cut the date. I think we should move on. And we have, the way I sang the opening is a good interpretation. It's, a, it's very close to the mic and easy. It's not pushed at all, but it's a good way to record me. It's one of my sounds. And I think it worked good on that take, and that's a good frame of reference as a vocal. I completely agree. Let's move on. Okay. This one shapes up as the easiest, most luminous one of all the ones we've done, the one that's sort of zen easy. Did you hear that, Randy? Teeth, that's the key word. We're not going to be so consonant on this one. Now, wait a second. It's not a wrong note. It's an indecision going on, but he, it's a save, followed by a figure that climbs that I love. It kicked him into an inspired moment. I definitely want to keep that and punch after it. <laughs> 